Well, what's up, geeks? It's Mike here from Geek Media Core Podcast. I just want to reach out for a second and announce that the show is now part of the Geek Vibes Nation Network, and it's something we're very excited about. Nothing is going to change with the show. You'll just be able to find more from us over on gvnation.com. While I have you here, if we could request that you guys subscribe to the program, either on the Geek Media Core, iTunes, or Google Play channel, or at the one for Geek Vibes Nation, we would greatly appreciate it. If you could leave a star rating or a short review, that would be terrific too, as it helps others to find the show. Thanks for listening, and now enjoy this week's episode. I know Daz. He's got many faces. I look forward to seeing this one. I promise to fight for the living. I intend to keep that promise. Are you for real? Say the key! Say my name. How old are you? Basically 15. You can leave tall buildings in a single bound. You're listening to Geek Media Core, your weekly podcast for all things geek pop culture. What's up, geeks? I am Mike, and this is issue number 110 of the Geek Media Corp podcast, where tonight we are being able to leap buildings in a single bound, the old guard attacking Netflix, and the next great James Bond villain, and how to train your dragon to fight White Walkers. But first, we begin by saying hello to the man that was almost too emotional to do this episode out of his sadness for the end of the Fox X-Men universe. What's up, Danny? We'll always have X-Men Apocalypse. You're, that was one of our first episodes, man. And I mean, I remember your just lament of how upset you are. I mean, you saw this this Dark Phoenix. I, I think this is like the sixth Dark Phoenix trailer because it seems like they keep pushing this movie back and back and back. But we've got the last one. We're going to talk about it. I know that you're just very, very distraught. But before we do that, back to tradition, as we always do before we get into the show. Dan, did you watch, read, listen to, or play anything worth mentioning over the course of the last week? Uh, I'm still doing my CW kind of, I don't know why I'm doing it. I really don't. I finished Umbrella Academy. I thought I would start something else. Still going Flash and Arrow season three, season one. Uh, but I, I did listen to the first part of our friend of the pod, Lisa, her, I love this movie podcast because she's doing Clue and Clue is a fucking amazing movie. And I love that movie. Clue is special because, guys, there's like a 10-year age gap between me and him. So there's not very many things that we agree on when it comes to like the 80s. But that's like one 80s movie we like completely agree on. It's one of the best comedies of all time. And The flames. The yeah. flames shooting out of my face. Is that how you feel when you hear about the uh, the Clue remake coming up? Yeah. No, that movie's going to suck. For a chance. It's, you don't have Tim Curry. You don't have Madeline Kahn. You don't have Christopher Lloyd. I mean, that's – Michael McKean. Michael McKean, fuck Chuck forever. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a powerhouse cast. You don't have that. Sorry, Ryan Reynolds. I just, I, I have no faith. All right. 
two F-bombs from Danny in the opening segment, man. I'm excited about tonight. He's hyped up for this. I guess that, that Game of Thrones trailer got his 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 uh, blood pumping a little bit. Uh, I have actually gamed a little bit the past week. I, I wrote a review for Geek Vibes Nation for Far Cry New Dawn. Uh, it's a game that I kind of was just completely negative on. Uh, I loved Far Cry 5, and when I heard about this, it just sounded like a basically a DLC pack that they were charging full price for. Or not full price, $39. You know, that's two-thirds of the price of a new game. But uh, um, I complained about it, said I thought it was going to be a cheap reskin. It was going to add nothing new. But I liked Far Cry 5 so much, I went ahead. And, of course, you know what I did. I, I went ahead and said, yeah, why not? And I loved it. I was absolutely wrong about it. Uh, maybe it's because I loved Far Cry 5 so much, except for the ending. And this makes the ending make sense now. And so basically I'm considering this one game and at that one game together is my favorite Far Cry game ever, which I know is blasphemy to a lot of people that are into the Far Cry franchise because they consider three like Halo one. It's like untouchable. Nothing will ever beat it, no matter how amazing it is, because that was the first one that most people played. Uh, I don't think that you've really gotten into this series, but um, basically I'll point out like this far cry new Dawn, Danny is the fallout game that you wanted in fallout for. There's no, there's no building Minecraft villages, there's no helping this person. It's just a post-apocalyptic, really awesome game. And basically, I'll sum it up by saying uh, it seems like everyone's making better Fallout games now than Bethesda. So uh, you better catch up, Bethesda. We'll talk about that more in our video game section. Uh, Far Cry, anything you've ever even touched in that series? No, I'm. If, if a game gets compared to Fallout, I just I lose interest completely. I am so I'm still so disappointed by Fallout Four. A game that I have, I've not touched in forever because I got sick of like, defend your settlement, defend your settlement, defend your settlement. I think anytime there's a post-apocalyptic first-person RPG, everybody's always going to compare it to Fallout. So I can see why you think that, but it's besides it being like, it's it's not really very much like that at all. It's just, I don't know. To me, it scratched that itch that I needed that Fallout 4 didn't give me. So You want to know which other game I don't play that I bought? Red Dead Redemption 2. Played did I not? Did I not tell you? Did I, I not? Just, was, was that right? It's just there's a point where there's just too much. There, it, it can be too much, and you just like you're like I don't know where to begin. I don't know how to tackle this. Uh, and for and I th- I say that as a completionist because I I have to do everything and all the things and 100 everything can't leave any stone unturned. And it's just too much. And it's just like no, nope, you know what? I'm good. I'm gonna go back and play some old games. And did you have to press triangle and hold it for six seconds to decide to stop playing Red Dead Redemption 2? <laughs> what, a joke, what a joke. No, not triangle because I play Xbox, the master system. Uh, hashtag unpopular opinion. That was Danny's. Mine is that Red Dead Redemption 2 was the most overrated game of this generation. Okay, now that everyone has turned the show off, <laughs> uh, we got plenty of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, as always, we start with movies, then we move to TV, and we close out by talking about some video game stuff or you know comics or stuff like that if we have something in there. Uh, obviously, this week, the big news in movies is we finally got the long-awaited second trailer for Shazam, and I'm going to go ahead and spoil this for you, Danny. Apparently, from people, insiders that saw the second trailer and they kept hyping up, it's different. This is not the same trailer that they saw. Uh, apparently, um, I guess the director, I forget his name right now, <laughs> tells you where I'm at right now. Uh, he basically David thought that he gave, he, gave a little, he gave a little bit too much away in that trailer. And, you know, after the whole BVS trailer number two dilemma, you know, we always going to go back to that. And I think they just... You could tell it was a very safe trailer. It, it showed you the tone. It gave you an idea of what kind of movie you're in for. 
and uh, we're getting a little more shot by shot. But uh, talking a little bit before the podcast started, it sounded like you might have been a little disappointed in it. I'm not disappointed. David Sandberg is the director, by the way. Um, I want to call him Pony Smasher because that's his Twitter name, Pony Smasher. <laughs> that works too. I, I'm not disappointed. I, I think it's because of what you just said. It's roughly an extended version of the first trailer. Some of the CGI looks better. The The shot where he is jumping off the roof and the lightning bolt hits him, perfect. It gives him away a little bit more. Like, yes, eventually I knew he would fly. I, did I need to see him fly in a trailer? No. I don't really care to see that. Um, but I think, you know, my my uh, my thoughts on, on trailers, they give away too much of the movie. I don't need to see it. That's why I don't really care for this. I, I'm kind of glad it is an extended trailer one uh, because I, I don't I, – I, I feel like if three – if you follow the three-trailer system or rule of thumb for whatever, it's, for whatever reason it turned into, you can piece together the entire movie by the trailers. And I, I don't want that. I, I hate the fact knowing that – We've likely seen a scene from the end of the the final act of the movie. I got the tone. It's big. It's big meets superheroes. That's fine. I'm ready to go. It sold me. I didn't need another one. Well, you know, we got the uh, the test audience, which is my six-year-old, and he laughed out loud at this trailer three times. So uh, I got into kind of not a, not a tiff, but a, a disagreement with someone on Twitter calling, you know, oh, just the usual DC trash because this looks stupid or whatever. And I was like – my six-year-old is more excited about this than he is, than he is in game. So I think we got to understand that's the target well, demographic. Your, your son also hates Infinity War. So no, he's come around on it. He's just he was just no. mad like right after you know. I mean, it's kind of like me when I first saw Empire Strikes Back. I was like, no, that Darth Vader man, he's full of shit, you know. But <laughs> uh, but it, it, that that that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is just like what you've always brought up: the idea of a kid being a superhero is really alluring to a kid to go see. So. I still think that they're hitting that family dynamic that's going to get extra butts because what gets extra butts in seats when you got to take your kids to go see it, you know, and that this movie is just under two hours. So to me, that's perfect to taking a, a, a young child to go see it. And um, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go see it. You look at the success for Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and, you know, having a, a young superhero take that journey and learn good and evil, right and wrong and what it takes to be a hero you see how well received that's that is it's got me aside from the tone of this which is i think the humor spot on i have a high expectations for this movie because it's again it's that you have that 14 year old learning how to be a hero what you great power great responsibility etc 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 i i think that this movie can really stick the landing it's an easy story to tell um and it really i'm kind of glad that the villain seems to be a little bit of a throwaway because it definitely means that this is Billy's story and Billy gets to learn what it takes to be a hero. So uh, I'm sold on it. I think it's going to do, you know, it had a budget of just under a hundred million. I think it's going to make that. And then some, uh, it's going to make a lot of money. Right. I saw someone clowning it saying, Oh, this will be lucky to make 500 million. Like 500 million would be a humongous success. For this That's when they haven't yeah, really even done a lot of marketing for it either. People got to get this out of their mind that if a movie doesn't make a billion worldwide, that it's a flop. That's not true, guys. If it's a movie that costs three, four hundred million to make, yeah, you gotta make that to break even, basically. But yeah, a movie that's got an eighty million dollar budget, anything over like three fifty is going to be a success for this movie, and it'll make yeah. that just off the brand recognition alone. So uh, people gotta get that out of their mind. A couple of things I do want to touch on about the trailer. I want to say one more thing before we kind of shift gears. Uh, the tone of this movie 
considering Captain Marvel, which definitely is, it's a military story and they've really leaned into the Air Force. And then you've got, of course, Endgame, which is finality and dourness. Super serious. This is the perfect movie for DC to put between those two. This is the palate cleanser. The, it seems lighthearted. It seems like it's going to lean really heavy on the on the humor and the, the the visual sight gag of Zachary Levi acting like a child. Perfect movie. DC somehow lucks their way into doing this. Uh, and I'm going to say luck their way because they don't always make the best decisions intentionally. Oh, sure. Uh, a couple of things I do want to touch on. Uh, we talked last week about which version of Shazam you like. Well, it looks like we're getting a new 52 look. He's got the hood instead of the little side cake. So uh, mm-hmm. now you're, now you're, now your cosplay is going to suffer for that when you go see the movie. Um, the Rock of Eternity, that's uh, that's pretty comics accurate. That's pretty cool to see. Uh, the Seven Sins, it's kind of a cameo. You kind of see them in the background, but I don't know if it's a cameo or a hint. So uh, we could see. But speaking of cameos, uh, we got Batman, Flash, and and Wonder Woman all cameo in this movie, in a way. Uh, that was pretty funny. Freddie Freddy is, is wearing a Wonder Woman shirt in that scene, and uh, you see a Flash plush on the wall, and of course the uh, Get Him Batman, which actually made me laugh out loud. That's that that's was pretty bad. good. You say I am Batman, and then you Get Him Batman. That's that's pretty dang funny. So uh, if you want to say, hey, is this take place in the same universe? Uh, yes, it does. And apparently this is all of the uh, the leftover Justice League toys that didn't get sold when that movie came out. So they got to put them <laughs> in the movie. They got props or something like that. So, oh, that yeah, was right. a nice touch. Uh, do you think that Captain Sparklefingers thing is a, is a nod to Captain the, uh, Captain Marvel, the original Captain Marvel? Uh, it might be. I, who knows? Um, it's I'm sure it's going to play well in the context of the movie, for sure. Uh, I know nothing of this Savannah character. I know... Uh, two Shazam villains. I already mentioned the sins. And then you got uh, black Adam, which uh, obviously we know is not in this, uh, but it's Mark strong. And we know, quote unquote, we know it. No, come on. Like, come on. You can't, you've been teasing the rock and black Adam for damn near a decade. Come on. Just give it's been a decade. It's been a decade since they cast him. And I was like, I can't believe that you're He's not doing this. And the thing is, is I've heard that they had to replace Savannah with Black Adam, because originally this part was written for Black Black Adam, so they've 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 done some stuff here. I mean, this is all this is all hearsay. I don't even know, but I think you'll get some seeds planted for it because apparently they want to do a Black Adam movie solo movie, which I don't it's get that. Rock. It's The Rock. You give him a solo movie if he wants a solo movie. I, I guess, but I also want to say I do like I that. Uh, it's The Rock. You if The Rock says I want to make a movie, you're like cool. I'll take a hundred million dollars any day. Any. You'd think so, but they've had this guy locked up for a decade. They've kept him away from a Marvel movie, and you just haven't used him. I mean, we've talked time and time again about stupid studio decisions, but geez, that's that's a probably one of the. I don't know if he is, but maybe debatably the biggest box office draw right now is The Rock. Yep, at least for at least for the men. And so, why are you not using this guy? All right, so I'm hoping they at least plant. They got to plant some seeds for this. Maybe a stinger. I doubt it. I mean, not 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 the actual rock being in it, but a stinger about Black Adam would make the most sense. Because I mean, if they aren't, if they're saying they're going to focus more on solo movies now and not the connected universe, then I don't see them setting up the next movie with the stinger. They got to set up what comes for the next yeah. Shazam movie. Right? Uh, I do like that they're not shying away from the Superman similarities. You know, they they point out all of his powers in this. Uh, the leap, uh, leap of building a single bound again. I about, I about spit my drink out. I was laughing at that. That's pretty good. So, 
I'm in. I'm in. I mean, I would be in before I even said when this movie first got announced that this is one of the Super Bowl movies I don't care to see. So, hey, they've convinced me. And it's not just because, I mean, I'm not going to pull a, uh, I'm not going to pull a Dustin from our, our last Jedi review here and say everything's just ruled by what my kid wants to do. But seeing his genuine excitement and genuine laughter for this trailer. Yeah, I think that, they, like I said, they're hitting that, that family dollar and that's going to that's gonna do well for him. Yep. Alrighty, uh, moving along. Uh, Captain Marvel reviews. Uh, the embargo is officially lifted. Uh, last I checked, it only had 35 reviews out, 30 fresh, five rotten, sitting, I think, at like an 86%. Uh, I'll be honest, I didn't think it would get five rotten the entire time. Uh, so I don't want to say it's mixed reviews. It's just a little, I thought, I figured for sure it was going to be 100% a, a universal acclaim. Uh, read into that to whatever you want. That's fine. Uh, you're going to think what you want regardless of what I say. I'll just say, I said I was going to go, since the trailers hadn't sold me, I was going to listen to people that I trust uh, when the reviews came out. And the reviewer I seem to be locked up with all the time is Jeremy Johns and everything he mentioned in his review is everything that I was worried about. And so it's going to be a big fat wait for Blu-ray for me, Danny. How about you? You already got your tickets. Uh, I definitely will be going the opening weekend at least once. Um, I say at least once because who knows, maybe I'll see twice. Um, you are behind. There's 128 reviews now. Uh, oh, geez. What the hell? Are fresh. Uh, 21 are rotten and rotten is a very I don't three out of five being rotten review is just dumb a C plus being like a C plus being rotten doesn't really sound rotten to me like a C minus is passing in most schools uh three out of five is definitely like I I don't get like the the scale that they say rotten um of course I, I have to be the one that points out that like half of these because they have photos attached to this. Half of these are old white dudes, and I'm not really surprised by that at all. <laughs> not I'm not touching that one. It's, pred it's predictable. Uh, but most of the reviews, because it is about an 84 or 85%, uh, which is about, what, it's a B, it's a solid B, which is pretty much like every other Marvel origin story. And that's what I more or less expected is that it's a Marvel origin story. It's going to be hero set up. Hero experiences some sort of tragedy or betrayal. Hero falls. Hero rediscovers why they fight. Hero survives. It's pretty. Oh, formula. Are you saying they're going to use the formula in this movie? Yeah. Um, I, I, that's what every review sounds like. Spoiler alert. If you were expecting anything different, sorry, not sorry. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm not as excited just because it's an origin story. Uh, some of the reviews I, I've read have said, you know, the, the difference with Spider-Man and Black Panther is that they got introduced beforehand in another movie, and then you got to explore them a little bit deeper. Uh, I remember, I mean, we talked about it on this pod, Black Panther showing up in Civil War, even though we were like, eh, how do, I don't know how this works it got people excited enough that everyone was like, Oh man, I gotta see black Panther. I can't wait for black Panther. Everybody wanted black Panther something. Uh, I wish they had done this for captain Marvel a little bit more than a stinger at the end of infinity war. I think this plays a little bit different if they do, but my boy, Ben Mendelsohn apparently steals the show. Everyone cites his performance. He was also very swagged out last night at the premiere and just like seemed to be having the time of his life, which 
he should because he's a brilliant actor. I love that he's getting all these big roles. Apparently, the cat is a, a major star. Everyone says Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson uh, is fantastic. Um, Brie Larson, everyone's like, she seems like she could be a superhero, and that's where it kind of gets a little divisive um, just by the direction that she's given. I'm sure the Russos will handle her a thousand times better than whatever she turns out to be in the screen because the Russos get these characters, and the Russos always get these characters to shine, and there's not a character that the Russos have had that I'm like, you know what? I don't really think that this is good. So I'm looking at it as this is a, a necessary epilogue for Endgame. I'm excited for Endgame. I'm going to see it because it's a Marvel movie. And I will probably walk out entertained and probably be like, yeah, you know what? If they had done this, this differently, it probably plays a little bit better. You know what I'm noticing about Ben Mendelsohn is it seems like he's always the best part of shitty movies. Like, I mean, I'm not uh, look at Ready Player One. A uh, movie I was very, very disappointed by. But you know who was awesome in it? Ben Mendelsohn was awesome in it. Rogue One has some divisive opinions. You know who was awesome in it? Ben Mendelsohn ben. was awesome. In it. I mean, yeah, the guys, I mean, we know that's like Danny, old man Blood crush number one. Bloodline so, season one. The reason why Bloodline started going, part of the reason why Bloodline started going downhill after season two, season three, Ben Mendelsohn's not in every episode. He's going to be in that Stephen King show, The Outsider, just let you know. Um I'm just he is a fantastic actor, uh, and his star has really taken off. And I can't wait to see him in a DC movie. You know, if you want him to be Sinestro, that wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. Mm, I'll have to think about that one. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I will say, I'm not surprised. I'm not disappointed by any of this. People are going to go, and they're going to love it. Little girls are going to light up seeing a superhero that they can relate to a little bit more. Women are going to love it because again, it's another, just like they loved wonder woman. I love that there, most of the reviews aren't comparing wonder woman versus captain Marvel. Cause guess what? You don't have to compare them. They can both be good movies. One doesn't have to be better than the other. Uh, I'm a little surprised that everyone's comparing it to black Panther. I, I get the connection, but again, I don't get the connection because Black Panther set up established. It's a to me, it's a different kind of movie than what Captain Marvel is, where it has to be pure origin. All right, old white man, going to speak here, so let's watch out. Uh, <laughs> hey, by the way, those old white guys—they uh, all were for Black Panther, so I think that's starting to be like a little bit of an excuse there. So that's just my opinion. Uh, I feel like this way is the same way I felt with the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Volume Two reviews. Oh you would read the review and it would be like, this is cool, but this, 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 this aren't that great. or don't make sense. But at the end it has a lot of heart and then they give it a thumbs up. Uh, all the reviews I was reading was like, okay, this is a mess. This is a mess. This isn't really work here. This is kind of baffling why they would do this, but it has a lot of spirit and thumbs up. That's I'm kind of getting the same thing out there, but you know what? I end up loving guardians of the galaxy volume two. You did not, but Maybe this will be the same way. Maybe I'll end up liking Captain Marvel. You won't. Who knows? We'll yes. see. I will say there are two things that are, that really pop for reviews that's been pretty consistent. One is apparently the cosmic tone is still there. And by the cosmic tone, I mean what the Guardians introduced, what Thor Ragnarok kept on. When it's in space, there is it's weird and it's funny. And I love that. And I kind of love that that's the Marvel cosmic tone. And I'm all for it. Like, I throw Ragnarok for both of us is a top five Marvel movie. I think we can safely say, and if it wants to emulate Thor Ragnarok when it goes into space, cool. I'm all for it. 
the parts where it seems like it kind of gets a little middling is the Air Force military shit. And I don't mean, you know, Air, I, I don't know why I said shit there, but it just seems like it's middling and like meh. And I'm like, you know what, though? That also makes sense because how many military based Marvel heroes do we need? We already have War Machine, we already have Captain America. We don't need any more like, like we've seen those characters, we've seen those movies. Give me the weird shit in space. Give give me like bright colors. Give me Jeff Goldblum like making weird comments and side eye people. Like I want more of that Marvel. Give me that Marvel. See, I'm worried it's gonna be like. Hold your breath. Don't freak out. It's gonna be like Green Lantern. In that, instead of spending time in space, it spends too much time on Earth. I Earth don't want to see the most it. important planet, of course, obviously. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, We'll be doing a review episode since I won't be seeing it, <laughs> but uh, you know, I will be and, talking about it on the next episode. I will allow that for sure. Um, let's move along here. And usually, this would be the portion where I make fun of Sony, but you know what? Sony has had two pretty good comic book movies in a row now. Uh, obviously, that's a uh, seems to be the consensus with Spider Man and the Spider Verse. And it's still kind the of Academy Award winning Spider-Man into the it's, Spider-Man. Uh, it's from a certain point of view when it comes to Venom. Me and him both liked it. And me as someone who never like it, I really did like it. So they've had two wins in a row. So when they said they're going to make a Morbius movie, uh, both of us rolled our eyes at this uh, when it was first announced. And we said, this will never happen. This will never happen. Well, apparently it's already filming. Uh, they're announcing more of the cast as they're going along. But apparently they've started filming. Jared Leto is starting to post pictures on his Instagram and stuff. Um, Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean the Academy Award-winning Suicide Squad? Does he have blue hair in this movie? Or <laughs> you know, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch this little clip because I didn't care less. This is this is this was a to me. This was a middling villain that I never cared about when he was fighting Spider-Man. Didn't care about an X-Men. I didn't care about it. I didn't you care about this. You want I'm looking. Least, at, none of us doing. Favorite, my least favorite part of the 1990 Spider-Man animated series on Fox is the Morbius arc because I just do not care about more. And his little like hand, like plasma receivers or no, like get that out of here. It's garbage. Like, I don't, I don't want to see this movie. I don't need to see this movie. This is the, the Sony. This is not necessary. Just give me Venom 2. Any carnage. Okay. So let me ask you this. Sinister what six, if- Cause I want the Sinister Six. Somebody give me the Sinister Six. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Do you think this is going to tie into be in the same Spider-Man list universe? With Venom. Well, see, the interesting thing that I had read is that early rumors and rumors take grains of salt is that Marvel and Sony are going to continue this deal because it's been beneficial to both of them. But Sony is considering their own uh, Spider-Man, like a different actor Spider-Man so they can make Spider-Man movies too. And it's just like, no, this is where timeouts like this is where this gets off the rails. Like, don't do that. You know what they could do? They could use Miles Morales, Danny, and then you might change your tone. That would be the uh, perfect opportunity to do it without Peter Parker. You can have the Miles Morales verse over you there. Could, you could do that, and you could say explicitly, like, this is a different universe, whatever. You could also, and maybe this gets a little bonkers, because they've also talked about they want Tom Holland, Marvel does, to play Spider-Man beyond his little contract right now. So maybe you could do the clone, the clone saga, the infamous spider arc where they introduce Ben Riley, and you could spin Ben Riley off, and you could have to see that. Except Dan Slot, nobody wants to see that. 
I kind of I kind of like the Scarlet Spider costume. I would love to see it uh, on screen for the first time. I don't know. I think maybe they should just do let let, let the uh, the MCU do the Marvel Prime Spider Man stuff, and then let's uh, do the Ultimates, the Ultimate Spider Man. And I kind of want to push this clone idea though. I kind of like this. <laughs> See, this is how much we're interested in Morbius, guys. We're talking about the other movies what, in this. Nobody, what 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 angle does Morbius like give? Like we've seen a thousand vampire movies, a thousand better vampire movies. It's not going to be good. Sorry, I love like I love Jared Leto's Joker. But it's Jared Leto has like no goodwill from any like audience member right now because like I'm probably the only person that likes the Jared Leto or Joker. Um, it's just it, there's nothing that about this movie is like oh my god I got to see it oh my god it's gonna be great because it's like it's gonna be Jared Leto like with a bad accent and like biting people and unless Blade is gonna come into this movie and kick some ass zero interest. Yeah, no, apparently Marvel's talking about doing a, a new Blade with Wesley Snipes, who has aged. Vampires don't age. Hey, whatever. Movie, movie or TV series? Movie. I don't want to see Blade. Oh, and the same old stuff. It might be R-rated. Yeah, like Black Widow was. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Suicide Squad for a minute, and that is that Will Smith is not going to return as Deadshot. I don't know if that means they're going to do a whole new thing or if they're going to recast for Deadshot. Uh, we'll you see. Could- you could move on. Well, I mean, no, because they have the wall. Amanda Waller. Uh, I forgot. I'm blanking on the actress' name. Yellow Davis. Now, apparently, that is for me. That's the one you needed to get back. Yeah. You I could, mean, I know Deadshot's a mainstay in the Suicide Squad, and he ran it for a while. But to me, the wall runs the Suicide Squad, and that's what you, you need. All you have to say is different mission, different set, of, different set of skills needed. Done. Yeah, I don't want to recast them. What are they going to do? Don no. Cheadle. <laughs> but I mean, like, you don't need to even say he died off screen or anything. You could just like, like that awful Independence Day movie. You could just say different set of skills needed. And if there's a Suicide Squad three, and maybe Will Smith's schedule opens up, you can bring Deadshot in. Well, apparently his schedule's gonna be busy because he's gonna be playing uh, Verena's and Serena's dad, uh, the Williams sisters' dad, in a movie called King Richard, I guess, which is a biopic about the Williams sisters. Um, it's first I've heard, heard about this. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't know nothing about Richard Williams. I just know that the the the, the Williams sisters are, are probably the greatest female tennis players ever. Maybe I mean I don't. I haven't watched a lot of tennis lately, Danny. You have to tell me. So um, <laughs> I assume since I still know so much about them, and I don't watch tennis, and I know about them. Uh, Anna Kornikova was the last one I knew about, and I don't think that was for tennis playing. So I. It's interesting that the movie's called King Richard and that's about his daughters. Uh, from what I know, he's a super obsessive, super like super competitive, super obsessive dad who like geared his daughters to dominate. Um, so it, I mean, for Will Smith, it's maybe a little bit antagonistic of a role, but I mean, it's Will Smith. He'll do great as long as you don't cover him in blue paint. This is, he is still, still chasing that Oscar, baby. He's still mad that he's still mad that tell the truth didn't get nominated for an Oscar. I mean, didn't he win? Didn't he win an Oscar? I think it was nominated for Ali. Did I don't think he won, did he? Mm, I'm gonna look that up. Sure, he hasn't won one yet, but you know, he should have won for Pursuit of Happiness. You're right. No, he was he's nominated twice, and he lost. He lost to Denzel Washington for Training Day in uh, 2002 for Ali, and then he lost. He lost to your boy Forrest Whitaker for the last King of Scotland in 2007. 
And for was it for Pursuit of Happiness? Uh, yeah, 2007 was Pursuit of Happiness. 2000. Should have won that one. Won that one. Sorry. Uh, that, that's my opinion. You know, like you always say, Danny, you know, you Forrest Whitaker. Like he lost to Forrest Whitaker. Like, what, huh? Pursuit of Happiness was a great movie. It, it made my allergies flare up. Um, he didn't even win the Golden Globe for that. Yeah, Forrest Whitaker. What do you, what do you say that the, the, the biopics are Oscar bait? To me, that's what this is. He's still chasing that Oscar. You know, when you got a better chance at winning an Oscar, playing Deadshot again or playing King Richard? Uh, he, he just he needs to he just needs the right role i mean he, he's a great actor he just needs the right role i don't think genie is going to be it genie is not going to be it. Still <laughs> line, to he still for it. go ahead i'll keep cutting you like, no he he might want a golden globe for it because there's a best co- comedic actor so he might want a razzie for it from what i can tell uh, might be both a line that Jeremy Slater, Jeremy Slater, that's the writer of uh, the, the TV series uh, Umbrella Academy that we're talking about. And um, I think he did the Exorcist TV series or something. I don't know. Jeremy Slater, he once said that I was raised by the two Stevens, Spielberg and King. And I said, that fits me to a T. I was raised by the two Stevens. So I was not surprised at all when I told you that the old guard was not going to be happy about Netflix winning uh, something big at the Oscars. Uh, so, of course... This week, Steven Spielberg, who is still on that voting panel, uh, lashed out at Netflix, uh, said basically that he does not think that they should be into consideration because when you're streaming, I think his exact words were, when you're a streaming TV service, your movies are instantly TV movies. Netflix didn't take this well. They lashed back and said, you know, hey, basically, in, in so many words, you know, not everybody can afford to go to the movies. So we want to be able to give people the comfort of having, you know, AAA movies, you know, from the comfort of the living room. And I agree. And our boy, our boy Batflick, I'm sorry, now he's just Ben Affleck again. Uh, Affleck actually disagreed with Spielberg and said, you know, um, he has the right to his opinion, but I think that a lot of people need to learn that this is the way of things and you need to learn to adapt. And I've got to agree with, with Affleck on this, man. As someone who has a mother who used a VCR instead of a DVR until that thing freaking died because she was unwilling to adapt to new innovations – Someone like Spielberg, who was always ahead of the curve in his prime, it just it just feels like he had to know that this was going to get a negative reaction. He had to know. I don't think he cared what the, the public thought. I, I feel like he was talking to... Yeah, the, he hasn't, because he hasn't made a good movie in like 15 fucking years. <laughs> I mean, he was... Like like I like we said, he was just... He, he was speaking to the Hollywood crowd and... To your point, the last good movie that he made, Ready Player <laughs> Bombed, The Post Bomb, BFG, not good, Bridge of Spies, I don't never heard of it, Hundreds for Journey, who cares, Lincoln. Yeah. And if it weren't for Daniel Day Lewis, right. Lincoln, Lincoln is Lincoln goes off the rails because Daniel Day Lewis is like eighty five percent of the movie. So then what? War War Horse, The Adventures of Tin Tin, Super Eight. Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the no, no. <laughs> I think Munich was like 2003 or so. So that was the last one that I really enjoyed. What you what you Munich was 2005, uh, which yeah. almost 15 years ago. So yeah, you were spot on. Man, that was my boy too. That I, I mean, like I said, I'm not surprised. I said that this was going to ruffle some feathers, and you know, I'm sure there are others who feel that same way. But uh, apparently, James James Cameron isn't one of them because I saw a. 
Netflix, they tweeted that uh, kids these days will, or, or kids today will never know the pain of having to put in a second VHS tape to watch the last hour of Titanic. And James Cameron like retweeted and said, yeah, kids these days. <laughs> well, I think the bigger thing and the thing that Steven Spielberg is missing is that it, it seems weird because there seems to be a lot of Hollywood chatter of like, oh, it's always, it's always these big blockbusters and these superhero movies. What about, about the smaller film? What about the independent films? And that's where something like a Netflix and eventually I'm sure an Amazon, well, Amazon does make movies, Hulu, maybe probably down the road. That's where these guys come in. So it's just like, cool. You want to make a movie? There you go. Like give us, give us a movie. We'll distribute it. You don't have to, you don't have to play studio politics. You don't have to like argue. You don't have to fight for your way. Like if you want to tell your story, here you go. And we'll give you a bag of money that we pulled out of the air because we, I don't know. I still don't know how they make money. And they will go make their movie and they can have that. Hollywood can focus on the blockbusters. Everyone's happy. Everybody wins. I think you got a point about, uh, you know, the film snob type, the independent movie lover. They should be all about this because look at Roma guys. It's not like that was some super budget high movie. I mean, it was basically shot on a handheld camera in black and white. So what did that, what did that one what did that one anonymous voter say? Caron just Caron just made his uh the most glorified home movie ever. This should be something they'd be over the moon about. But you, you, know, can, and, you can grab your iPhone and you can like film a movie on your iPhone and you can sell it to Netflix. Like done, done deal. Sometimes taking your medicine is hard, guys. But I mean you got to be cautious with new innovation, but it's, I mean, it's, it's very clear this isn't a flash in the pan. Streaming is a powerhouse now, and you're just going to have to accept it. Because do you think that do you think Bright, that movie that David Ayer made after Suicide Squad, Bright, do you think that movie would have got 200 million people to watch it like it did once it got on Netflix? No. Hell no. No, I agree. It's, it's just the way it is, guys. You're going to have to go with it. Uh, my buddy Kyle didn't like that I, I put this topic on here tonight. Um uh, because they've been talking about making this Metal Gear movie since like the 90s. Uh, but it, apparently there is a director. <laughs> if you are watching the video, guys, Danny is not pleased with this topic at all either. Um, video game movies are bad. There's no good video game movies. I don't want to see another film. I would have been hyped for this movie. And the thing was, when it was first like talked about, I was still hyped for it. But I've soured on that franchise so much as years have went by because it just got more and more over the top and ridiculous. But apparently, Oscar Isaac says he wants to play this. And the only reason, you know, we get all these, this actor would like to play this. And we don't ever touch it because it's just like, oh, good for them. You know, I want to play... I want to play Sinestro. Call me. You know, it's it's real it's real easy for someone just to say that. But the reason that I bring this one up is because apparently the uh, director that is attached has said basically the role's his if he wants it. So all this bullshit aside, even if you think the movie will never get made, even if you think it's a video game movie, I don't even know if you've ever played a Metal Gear game. Uh, I know you like Oscar Isaac, so do, would you be okay with it if it did happen and he was in it? I've never played a Metal Gear game unless you count his appearances in Smash Brothers, then I've played a Metal Gear game. Um, it's Oscar Isaac. Like, if he wants to play the role, sure. Like, he's got the, for he's got the cachet right now where he, like he's a leading man people – Take notice, like it was a big deal that he voiced Spider-Man 2099 and people are hyped about the idea of him coming back to that role for either a sequel and or a spinoff. Forgettable apocalypse aside, I'd be interested. I mean, sure. Um, it's, it's, 
my understanding of Metal, Metal Gear Solid is that it's a spy move, is a spy game or whatever. So sure, like why not? Like this seems like it could be fun. It could be interesting. My big thing is video game movie stuff. There's still yet to be like the video game movie industry has not had its moment. It's X Men moment. It has not had the moment where it's like, yes, this is good and we can be taken seriously. It's still trash. And until we get that, I will not be excited. I mean, look at fucking Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic the Hedgehog, the design came out for Sonic the Hedgehog. It looks garb. It looks so... I have to be drunk out of my mind to possibly enjoy this movie. And I'm only going to enjoy it because of all the jokes I'm going to make because of how bad this looks. Uh, like I tweeted at you, uh, they can't even... How about they focus on making a good Sonic the Hedgehog game? They ain't made one since the 90s. How about we make a good one? And then we'll, then we'll actually you know, talk about uh, who asked for a movie like that. <laughs> Uh, on this, like I said, I, I've kind of soured on the Metal Gear series, so I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Uh, Oscar Isaac seems to be good in just about anything. Apocalypse, I mean, he did with what he could with that shitty screenplay. Uh, Ex Machina is one you should watch if you haven't. Yeah, that's one he's really, really, really good in. Um, <laughs> Last Jedi, I don't count. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I think they need they need their Batman Begins. You know, the the whole genre. It needs their Batman Begins to show, okay, we can take this stuff seriously. And I hope it's Gears of War, not this, but I doubt it. Uh, let's move on to X-Men, Danny, because I know you're very, very distraught that this is going to be the last X movie under the Fox umbrella. I will be honest, I didn't even watch the trailer. Uh, I saw the second trailer when it came out, and at first I thought it was good, and then I realized, no, it's good because I've seen this movie before. It was called X-Men The Last Stand, which wasn't a good movie. But this trailer seemed like if that movie had been good. And then I said, no, it's just because I like James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender. That's it. This movie's going to be another one of those, hey, this is the last movie we've got Jennifer Lawrence, so let's make Mystique a big fucking character who she's, that has never been a big fucking character in the comic books. And you wonder why I'm happy the MCU is getting X-Men. Because maybe they'll actually do the X-Men right. Okay, there, I'm done. So, yeah, Danny, I'm... They made this. They're going to make the same mistakes with this as they did with the, <laughs> with Dark Phoenix in the Last Stand. They're going to make the same mistakes over. They're really going to do this again. I was about to say, if you haven't seen the trailer, I, I can describe it to you. And I was going to ask if you've ever seen X, if you've seen X Men: The Last Stand, and you would say you have, and then I would say you've seen this trailer then because it almost to me it looks very much like X-Men. I can't divorce it from mine. We've seen, we've seen this before. We've seen Gene. I mean, the only thing that this movie will do different, two things that this movie will do different. Uh, Hugh Jackman ain't showing up to save the day. Uh, so there's that. So that means that Cyclops won't die in like the first two minutes. And Cyclops saves the day at the end. Uh, I've seen this movie. It's not, the only difference maybe is that I guess Jessica Chastain's playing someone from space and maybe that's different, but I don't care. I've seen it's a, I don't care because I've seen X-Men the last stand and it B this looks like a shot for shot remake in my mind. C because Marvel's taking it back. It's it's dead man walking. Yeah. Who wants to see a franchise? It's dead man walking. I want to see the other X-Men movie that apparently will never see the light of day. So I bet I, I keep saying I bet New Mutant shows up on one of these streaming services. Apparently, Hulu. New Mutants seemed interesting. Horror superhero movie. Yes, sign me up. That's different. Like, well, that that we got that coming. It's called a um, Brightburn by James Gunn. It's gonna be awesome. Just wait. But this movie, no. That's 
get this out, get it over with, and let's wait. Let's wait to see how they introduce the X Men and what what their plan is. I'm sure it revolves around Wolverine because why not? I like the cast of these movies, and I think that's the only reason I'm kind of stuck around. And because I love First Class, First Class, and and um. Jesus, Days of Future Past. I liked both of those, but it's been downhill since then, and it just seems it seems like they can't carry the weight without without Hugh Jackman around. And you didn't like X Men Green Screen? No, I did not. I wish that I wish that it really should have ended with Logan. That's when the that's when the Fox X Men universe should have ended. Is with Logan. yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. I okay. agree. I, I I wish that with the MCU X Men is that they could refrain from using Wolverine for a bit, but you know they can't. And you know it'll probably be good. But who, I, who else would you center? Who else would you center the X Men universe on? I'm not saying about like center it on anyone. Center it on the team. Center it on Charles and, and Magneto. But you, but, I mean, look back to the original X Men. You had it was centered a little bit around the relationship between Rogue and Wolverine, and then that evolved into Rogue and Jean Grey because everyone hated Cyclops. Uh, Cyclops is the worst. And he sucks. And get it out of here. I fucking hate Cyclops. Um, then when you look at this, it was. Charles and, and Magneto, and granted, we've had four of the best actors play both of these sure, characters. Sure. I feel sorry for whoever steps into those roles next because they got two pairs of shoes to fill. Yeah, I don't know who I don't know who I'd cast. I don't know who who could fill that, those roles. So hopefully, those characters get sidelined for a bit. But I mean, who? What do you do? Like, who do you Gambit? Do we finally get our our Gambit focused X Men universe? Channing Tatum, man. I hope not because Gambit also the worst. So I think that Gambit in the cartoon is the only reason everybody likes Gambit. Cause I was like, don't no really cool. about Gambit in the comic book, but then they made that cartoon that everybody loved. And, and then everybody loved Gambit after that. And I was like, really this guy, what I don't guy? know. who. I don't know which X-Men team you, you centered around. Uh, maybe you finally give Colossus his due and give Colossus some focus, which like Kitty pride, but if we don't get freaking Mister Sinister as like your big X Men bad, I don't care. I a perfect opening villain. I think we are we are beyond Mister Sinister time. I need Mister Sinister full makeup with the cape and everything. Give me give me Mister Sinister as my lead villain here. That's all I ask. I don't even know who's the villain in Dark Phoenix. Is it Dark Phoenix? Let's <laughs> just the darkness. Yeah, this is so dead. Because Magneto's not a bad guy anymore. I hate this. I hate this, man. Jesus. I I got to feel that hope is on the horizon. The thing is, is like if they develop this X-Men in the MCU, I don't want them crossing over with the Avengers anytime soon because I always said I didn't want them in the MCU because it'd start to be too many characters. So I want them to keep this kind of separate for a while. And then years down the road, you can do X-Men versus Avengers or something like that. The nice nice thing is... Because it's Marvel owned, you don't have to rush it. You don't have to put 30 X-Men in a movie. You don't have to like blow through Magneto and the Brotherhood and and the Sentinel program. Like you don't have to do all that. You can take your time and tell a different story that doesn't revolve around Wolverine, Professor X, and Magneto. And if you're like me and you're not really gonna be into the new Avengers after Hemsworth and Downey and Evans leave, uh, then you know you can start to be like, hey, let's do a slow build with the X Men, and we can lead up to all these big famous arcs instead of being like, hey, what villain haven't we done yet? Let's do an apocalypse movie. Yeah. So, 
There we go. Give me Sabretooth and Wolverine if you're going to do a, 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 a movie with those two. Uh, but I still think just starting with the young Charles and, and, and Magneto movie, I know they did that with First Class, but you got to start somewhere. I don't think no. like, they're young. But like what about, now we're the what, what about young Charles and, and Mystique? How do you fight a young Mystique? Here's what I you got I got one wish, MCU. Don't even fucking put Mystique in the goddamn movie there. Uh hey, uh something we like to talk about a lot on the show is James Bond. And we actually got some James Bond stuff news to talk about here. Uh both big Rami Malik fans. We were both big Rami Malik fans before he was Freddie Mercury. Uh and before Mr. Robot went to shit, if I'm being honest. Um, we were Rami Malik fans from the Gilmore Girls days. Was he in that? Jeez. I think so. I don't even remember. Uh, but apparently he, I don't know if it's been closed yet, but the the story is that he is closing a deal to be. Yes, he, was, he was 2004 in The Clamor and the Clanger. He plays a character in Gilmore Girls. He also had three episodes in 24, which I'm just finding out like. Wow, I have to go back and look at this. Uh, I don't remember ever seeing this dude before, Mr. Robot, but I remember like the first opening scene in Mr. Robot. I was like, whoa, this dude is magnetic. So uh, the idea that he's going to be playing a James Bond villain, well, that just puts a shiver up my leg because that just sounds exactly like the kind of James Bond villain I want. Cerebral, get in your head, mess with you. I don't need some big brute. I don't need Jaws. I don't. I don't need anything like that. Uh, I need. I need. I need better than uh, Javier Bardem. But you know, we'll get into that. <laughs> but uh, how excited are you about this news? Uh, the important thing is that apparently he was in negotiations before he won the Oscar. Uh, I'm sure the Oscar after that he probably sent out a little text and he's like, "My price double it." Uh, yeah, for real. That's exactly what I would have done. I think it's great. I I think that Daniel Craig has been blessed to have have some of the best actors play villains um, over any other Bond. Period. He's had Academy Award nominated and Academy Award um, winning actors, which is fantastic. Um, Rami Malek would just be another one, I think, to, to play a, a smarter, and we assume it's going to be a smarter cerebral guy. Who knows? Rami Malek isn't old by any means. He, he could be a very physical threat. He could train for a little bit, but I, I'm, excited. I'm excited because it, Daniel Craig raises his game to meet his villain, and we, we've seen that time and again in these movies. Mads Mikkelsen, he, that scene, that torture scene, Wonderful, beautiful. One of my favorite Bond villains ever. Uh, Quantum Asylum, Matthew Amalric. Don't even remember him. <laughs> uh, Skyfall, even though you have your issues with Skyfall, Javier Bardem, him and Daniel Craig going back and forth, fantastic. Crystal. Maybe I should try this again. I've watched Skyfall one time, and that guy did not grab me like everyone else because it sounded like he was talking with marbles in his mouth the whole time and didn't understand anything he said. That's my problem with him. Okay. He's a wonderful actor. Yeah. I mean, Christoph Waltz, another wonderful actor. Wow. I, I believe they wasted Andrew Scott by giving him a minor role, but I, I that's me because uh, I love Andrew Scott. and think he is the best version of Jim Moriarty we've ever seen. But Rami Malek stacks up comparably there. And Rami Malek, I think, would bring out the best in Daniel Craig, um, especially as if you – 
again, this is me just looking at them and looking at what I, I perceive. And, you know, Daniel Craig, an older Bond at the end of his line. Rami Malek, a young man on the rise. I could see him push those buttons. I can see him challenge James Bond a little bit. You know, to be truthful, I wish we were getting a new James Bond in this. No. I felt like Spectre was Daniel the Craig perfect. Is the best. Yeah, but how are you, if this is going to be his last, Thing, how are you going to top the ending of Spectre, where it was perfect? He was driving off into the sunset with with the Bond girl. That was the you know point. how you know you know how this ends. Was he? Did he blow up? <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, also, apparently, it, it would be, I mean, if you're looking at the the Daniel Craig James Bond arc, this is a dude that is broken, damaged. He he's not found happiness. He'll never find happiness. He is a guy that is motivated by the mission, but every movie, like it, the age shows on him, the wear and tear shows, unlike any other Bond we've ever seen. To me, the only way this ends is that Daniel Craig's Bond dies. Like, to me, that's the logical conclusion, and I would be okay with that. I've always said that I, I feel like the continuity problems with James Bond is that the 007 James Bond tag is just like your ID. It's him. It's just, yeah, it's just a name. So uh, I'd, I'd be fine with that if they wanted to kind of keep this universe going just with a DJ Ben. I just feel like it's time for some younger blood. I feel like this is the Ben Affleck Batman where he just, he started so damn old that I was like, okay, well, where are we going from here? I mean, apparently this is supposed to be when he first becomes 007, but yet he's already like 50. Okay. Interesting choice. So th- th- we're always going to differ on the on, on where Daniel Craig ranks in this, and that's fine. I mean, that's what's great. It's like your favorite Batman, your favorite Doctor Who, your favorite James Bond. There's always going to be there's something different for everybody. But uh, I feel like he's reaching that that age now to where almost where it felt like Roger Moore was like, okay, I'm not believing that he can do this stuff anymore. I never, I never believed Roger. <laughs> Daniel Craig looked bored to me in Spectre. He looked like he didn't even want to be there. And you can't say it's because the villain wasn't good because Christoph Waltz is an amazing actor, even if I felt like they kind of shit the bed with Blofeld. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Apparently, Lapita Le- 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 Dewango, am I saying her name right? She wasn't yeah. talking to be the Bond Bay, but she uh, apparently she she backed out. Thought that would have been she a nice had, day. I think she's I mean, absolutely she's, beautiful. She's got a ton of movies to make. Black Panther Two, uh, Us. Is oh, God, I want to see Us so bad, but I can't help but mention Us when I'm, I speak of her. Um, was she Storm at one point? I don't think so. She's oh, in she's Star Wars. They took one of the most talented and beautiful actresses and made her a CGI frog. Way to go, Star Wars. Oh, no, they can't. Yeah, now that they brought the X-Men over, she can't be Storm. Damn, she'd be a good Storm, too. Okay. Uh, I I made Danny watch the Hellboy trailer, you guys, the Red Band trailer. The first Hellboy trailer came out, and I was not impressed with it. And I'm going to be honest. I love the Guillermo del Toro Hellboy movies. Ron Perlman is always going to be my Hellboy. So I think that kind of had me like angled against it. I did like this Red Band trailer a lot because I felt like the first one was trying to hide the fact that it was an R-rated, not family-friendly movie. It was kind of trying to do like a, hey, look, this is fun. We're going to have a great time. And this trailer was like, okay, this is what the movie actually is. And to me, it looks like an R-rated Thor. But to someone like you who's not beholden to the original Hellboy movies because you haven't seen them because I don't know what's wrong with you that you know you have to watch CW shows over and over again. Uh, <laughs> uh, what did you think of this trailer? You think it's just completely batshit, or do you see my Thor comparisons? Uh, I see it a little bit. This one seems to be have a humorous 
outrageous, absurd slant to it. But I mean, I'm, I, I just, I'm not interested in the character. I don't get the point of these movies. I don't get the point of the character. I don't understand like what the story is. So I'm not interested in it, but I see your Thor Ragnarok first. I think the thing for me, I haven't read any Hellboy comics, so don't nobody jumped on my throat on that one. So I don't know anything about that. I went into the first movie uh, with the girl I was dating. I did not care to see it, and she really wanted to see it. So I thought, okay, because she, believe it or not, she really likes Selma Blair. So she wanted to see it for Selma Blair. I was like, okay, fine. That's what you want to go see. We'll go see it. And I loved it. I loved the movie. I loved Hellboy 2 even more. I think this is the point where I became like a big Guillermo Toro fan. So I've been really sour that he doesn't get to finish his trilogy, and they're starting over with a new one with Hopper from Stranger Things playing Hellboy, which he looks, shit, he looks just like Ron Perlman in this to me. So I'm willing to give it a shot. I'm glad this trailer looks a lot better than the first one does. But uh, I was really just kind of curious, someone coming in fresh, what you thought about it. And it doesn't sound like it, uh, it got your attention very much. So, I mean, the character just doesn't do anything for me. Like what, why? Mm. <laughs> Okay, that's. I, I'm not attached to the actor. I don't care about the director. Like, there's just nothing there. Where I'm just like, I have to go watch this movie. I don't even know who the director is. I don't. Even, hell, I don't even know what studio this is. Yeah, I showed you. Uh, okay. Well, I, I still wish that we'd get our Hellboy three with uh, with that original crew, but but it is what it is. Okay, we're going to shift the TV now, and obviously the the thing that got the most attention on the internet today would be the game of thrones season eight trailer finally dropped and danny mr uh nothing needed trailer i'm sure he didn't watch it so uh i'm gonna talk about it here right because you didn't watch it <laughs> i watched it uh to anybody who doesn't watch game of thrones guys i'm sorry uh we're gonna this is gonna be probably the, the meatiest part of the show here i, I, I will uh, say i will say this first because I, I i saw like I've seen a few tweets is like, oh, sorry, this binge. Like, when do when am I gonna like get it? Uh, as someone who has documented on this podcast in the old archives his binge of Game of Thrones, to anybody out there right now who who has not watched Game of Thrones, go ahead and watch it. Give it five episodes. It, halfway through season one, it does start very slow. You're gonna probably want to pull up a Wikipedia page to like get an idea of like who these actor who these characters are. Give it five episodes. Let it breathe. If you're not hooked after episode five, there's it's not probably not going to happen for you, but that's okay. But go give it five. You know, I'm jealous of anyone who hasn't started yet because that means you don't have to wait, you know, between seasons. I'm, I'm so jealous. That, 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 that's, whew. I mean, I was jealous when you started. Um, I've been, I, I will say for the record, and I think you can, I think over the course of, Four or five podcasts. I binged six seasons. So right. of television. The, the opening of every Come show on. was my re- actually it was like here's the thing, it's like people who have either read the books or had seen the show to late people who started it. It's like all those people were just like so emotionally just distraught about the things that happened. But yet when we we're experiencing someone else watching the first time, we like dine on their tears. I don't oh, even yeah. understand. No, people loved the live tweeting that I did during it, especially when I got to the Red Wedding and Everyone was like, oh, dude, I wasn't even watching that episode. I was watching everyone's reaction because, you know, obviously I I read the first book in the year 2000, guys. So I knew it was coming and I was excited just to see the fallout. And let me get my humble brag out of the way here. I, I tweeted today that 
I can't believe that after almost 20 years of discovering this story, that I'm going to know all of the all of the resolution of this story in two months' time. That's pretty surreal to me. I wish it could have come from George, but you know, George is just. It is what it is. I consider the show the canon at this point because I don't believe that man's ever going to finish the book. It's been since 2011, man. 2011 was when the last book came out. And that was after a, a six-year wait between books four and five. So to me, the guy is just too busy. He puts out something new all the time and nothing is of it is Game of Thrones. And apparently he said the latest update was that he's struggling with it. And you know what? I don't care at this point. I don't care. Why do I care to read your alternate version now? That's just depressing to me that, that your, your version is going to be condemned. This book collection right here that I've spent more money on than I want to admit. And I don't care. I don't care if you finish it. That said, let's talk about this trailer a little bit here. Uh, not going to go shot for shot, but I'm going to talk about some of the bigger ones here. I, I think it's interesting that Arya is like a superhero now, but yet it opens with her looking like she's scared as shit running through the crypts of Winterfell. Uh, and then she gets, uh, apparently she gets some dragon glass. It doesn't seem like that's in sequential order. Cause one part, she has blood on her face and the other one, she doesn't. What do you think she's running from Danny? Uh, I'm going to take a step back and say for anybody, this, these trailers, the, first of all, the people, people's desire for a trailer confuses me because they weren't going to show you shit. They weren't going to tell you anything that you misdirection. This whole thing is misdirection. This is the uh, the Breaking Bad school of trailers where it's like, cool, we're going to give you like a lot of random shots and you're not going to know what the hell's going on. And you're going to like talk yourself into a tizzy and everything that you're guessing and speculating from. Sure. Uh, so, so we got a podcast to do, so we're going to talk about it. <laughs> so like out, that out of the way, which is why I'm like, I wasn't excited because I'm like, cool. Like they didn't tell me anything I didn't know. So as the guy who called Ice Dragon correctly long before anybody else did. Um, See, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Hold, pause. Pause. <laughs> this is why I get called an elitist because like I said, I've been reading this stuff forever and I get called an elitist whenever I get, I get annoyed by theory guy the guy who's like oh my theory was right i'm like oh you mean that theory that's been around for 15 fucking years good for you buddy yeah okay no you were right about the dragon one. in fact our preview episode last year you called it and actually like it was the first i had heard it and i thought that was really really great and that was the one that i wanted to happen and it did happen so i was excited and i was wrong um, about your one there i mean as far as Arya goes this is the first time you've really seen her terrified since probably the red wedding well like, yeah. And it's different, and I think that alone sets up this, the tone of the season. That this this is this is serious. Everything else, which is scary to say, because everything else up to this point, it's fun games and like oh the Iron Throne, ha 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 ha. But now this is like the real shit happens now. The zombies or the White Walkers are here, and it's the, it's kill or be killed. And I think that's the Arya is the best character to, to show you that that tone there. Um, do I think she survives? Yes, because it's Arya Stark. Like she, she always comes out ahead. Does that mean that I'm probably set up for her death at some point in the season? Probably. But it's kind of cool to see that she's going to get some dragon glass, and if she's going to go down. She's going to go down swinging. Oh, I'm most excited about is, and again, this is as a book reader, is I've been waiting for the John and Arya reunion forever. So we're finally going to get that reunion here. Uh, that's what I'm most excited about is just seeing all these characters back in the same place. Um, we also see uh, Varys is in the crypts with the women and children. He looks scared as shit. So if the, when the spider's scared, 
there's some scary stuff going down. So I, I'm just guessing this is just the White Walkers and invading Winterfell, or once they breach the walls, probably. I mean, we all, we, I mean, that's the one thing that we do know definitively is that the third episode is the Battle of Winterfell. And it is everybody in the same place fighting for survival. So let me explain this to you, Danny. Uh, Helm's Deep is a big battle in Lord of the Rings of Two Towers. And that sequence in the movie was about 50 minutes long. They claim this is longer than that, the siege. So that's audible Viagra to me. Hell yes. Give me all of that. The claim is that this is the longest war fight scene on TV or film. That it took 11, 11, 55 days to shoot this, shoot this. 11, 11 weeks to shoot that. Like, I, I, I can't even fathom taking three months to shoot one episode of TV. This is, I mean, most people, you know, shooting an episode of TV, churn and burn, churn and burn. Three week, three months. So the the effort and quality that went to the season and you can tell by some of these shots some of these shots just look stunning and gorgeous all of the dragon shots i i mean tell they could be real dragons for all i know i think back to when the show first started and they didn't have enough budget to uh to put uh to put the real version of the direwolves in there because it was just too much money that they had to cut corners uh like you go back and if you go back and try to watch the show now and you see that first jousting scene uh between the hound and, and others. I can't even, God, it's been so damn long since I've read or watched the first season, but basically it looks cheap. It looks like there's some extras. It's like, this supposed to be the whole kingdom. And it looks like there's about 20 people out here. So, uh, yeah, they, they've come a long way, especially on the CGI. And if you think about it, if you count people that share passwords, thanks Kyle. If you count people who download this illegally, arg, uh, dude, we're talking about like mash finale numbers for these episodes. I can't think of anything that's going to have the kind of viewership that this has. And HBO sells zero advertising. I know, but what a loss, huh? They're going to have to start soon. I'm just going to put There's it a reason why you see all these Oreo tie-ins and Mountain Dew and Pepsi and like. Hey, are, you going to, are you going to get the Oreo Game of Thrones cookies? I mean, I, why not? But I mean, there's a there is a reason why you see all of this for this season. It's because they are trying to make back some of this budget. Well, I remember there was a th- article last year where they said they encourage friends to share passwords. And I was like, are you still they sure were, about that this year, buddy? I, I will say that they, through the course of the, the, these, I guess, eight seasons, eight seasons, they have left money on the table. There's, you cannot deny that because they could, they could have made a ton more and, now we see the desperate catch-up of freaking Game of Thrones Oreos. Do you want to know where they've made their money? Merchandise. Merchandise, uh, yeah. merchandise and uh, Blu-ray sales. Because mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you're, if you're a physical media guy, um, HBO box sets are expensive. Very expensive. Like to the day, I still don't have the Sopranos ones because I think they're too expensive. I so, would imagine that the complete series of Game of Thrones will have some sort of bananas like uh collector's edition me and my wife talked about this because we were buying the uh the collector's covers that best buy was doing for a while but each cover had a different house sigil on it and then they stopped at like season six and we were pissed off so we don't have a matching set but we're talking about watch when the series is done they're going to release like an iron throne box it's gonna look like the iron throne and something and we're gonna end up being like well we got to get that now so yeah that'll probably be like four hundred dollars and people will pay for it 
people pay for it for sure. Uh, let's move along a little bit here. Uh, I, I'm having a hard time then remembering where everybody was because look, the the season finale of season seven, we were in the middle of a hurricane in Houston, so everybody's minds were kind of in different places. Most of us were just begging that our power stayed on so we could watch the episode. But even though we got to watch it, our minds were in different places. So I'm having a hard time remembering where everybody was. At the the end of season. Moment, I mean, I can sum it up real fast. For the most part, everyone is in the north, or I think John and his contingent just got back to Winterfell or is on their way to Winterfell. Uh, okay, tell me this. Why is Jamie on Ironborn ships? So the end of the season, uh, Cersei makes a deal with uh, Euron to bring in the Golden Company, yeah. Golden Company, and I think that Jamie is part of coming over, and, and I think that Jamie just uh, – you can tell the trailer sets it up that Jamie is – Pure redemption story this season. Uh, see, I think Jamie's toast, but you know who is it? It's not like it's a hot take now. Eight episodes, six episodes left. Who's to say that his? I mean, he can both die and still be redeemed. Like it does seem like he's going to go out the honorable way. Oh, sure, sure. The whole story has been a redemption part for him. So that's where I think most people are. Uh, You've got what's his face, the character that I hate. the dude that uh, Samuel Tully, I, I think, is now on his way to Winterfell as well. But for the most part, just assume everyone's in King's Landing uh, with the House Greyjoy ships or uh, headed to Winterfell. All right. We see a look at this Kyburn, who's just been like a ruthless bastard this whole series. And he, he looks a little concerned and perplexed with, with Cersei here. So uh, just like I said with, with Varys, if, if this guy is looking – so there's this part where he's realizing um you need to quit worrying about sitting on a throne of a frozen fucking wasteland and prepare some fucking like wildfire or some shit to fight these things so you know she seems to be more interested in the throne and stuff than she is about what's coming and you know she's also more interested in wine you know uh i saw the scene let's skip ahead here I saw her with the wine and it made me think back to uh, last year. She refused to have uh, the wine with Tyrion and he called it. She's pregnant. So that, that means that either she lost the baby or Jamie died and she just don't give a fuck anymore. Or she knows that, Hey, I ain't making another situation. Baby be damned. Have a little wine, little sucker. I- I'm guessing it's the former. I'm guessing she lost the baby. Possible. Maybe there was never a baby. Shit, you going all days of our lives on us. Um, you, can't put any, you can't put anything past her. She is she has shown that she will do whatever it takes to get whatever she wants. That's why she's gonna blow that three one lead, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh so the unsullied arrive in Winterfell uh with John and Daenerys together, not knowing what they're doing. Uh Sansa sees the dragons. Uh that is, I will say this that is going to be the most awkward conversation when. Robot Bran and Samuel Kelly have to sit down and tell Jon Snow that, oh, you are sleeping with your aunt. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of focus in this trailer on the Winterfell Crips, uh, which, you know, makes sense for Jon to have a renewed interest in it if he's going to find out that Lyanna's his birth mother. And, you know, and you see you see when you see him down there and you see uh, that, that Daenerys is coming to, to visit him. Uh, I guess he gets to break that. That whole, uh, by the way, you're my aunt thing to her, too. So that should be wonderfully awkward. That is the one common thread that has been around in most of the HBO release stuff is that it it revolves around the Winterfell crypt. And that's 
a signifier of legacy, that it's a signifier of, you know, will we repeat the sins of our fathers? But I think to your credit, it's, this is where they're going to start to put two and two together and like, Oh, I'm not, you know, Ned's son. He he did not have a bastard. I, I am someone else's. And Ned was truly an honorable man. The impact that it's going to have on not only John, not only Danny, but like the Stark sisters, I think it's going to be, I think that's going to be a really good episode when that happens. Aside from the fact that Samuel Tarley is going to be involved. Right. And if she thinks she's the rightful heir to the throne, she's going to be real and for a real rude awakening when she finds out that there's a, a male Targaryen. So yeah, it's going to yeah. be fun. Drama guys. It's not, it's not, not, only, not, not so that they're going to stay buddy, buddy like they are now. Not only a male Targaryen. Uh, if I remember correctly, those characters were married. Mm. 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 There was a little ceremony there. Yeah, man, there's so much. I I feel like I got to do like a recap video or something to, to to catch up on this because I I am forgetting like the last few episodes of last season. Uh, I think after starting with the exhaustion of everybody crying about where did the White Walkers get chains from that I, I just got like so exhausted with Game of Thrones on Twitter that I just kind of like blocked it out a little bit. That's why I've kind of enjoyed the two year break. Or has it been two years? It's been like a year and a half. Been two years, yeah. Uh, hey, we got a montage though. We got a montage. Everybody preparing for battle. You got your usual Gendry cameo. So you know, is that? But I, I like that it seems like damn near. Who? He's out there smithing. That's that's what he does. Uh, damn near everyone that's left alive seems to be at Winterfell for this battle. So that's great. It feels like this long journey and everyone's coming together to fight Sauron. You don't know what that means because you don't do Lord of the Rings. The only thing I care about is that Gendry still has his badass warhammer. And it's yeah. a, a dragon glass version of that because that thing's pretty sweet. Yeah, maybe he's making Valyrian still. There's so much stuff. That could, oh, man. Nipples get hard thinking about it. Uh, he talks about Cersei drinking the wine. Uh, you know, I kind of see here, it looks like it's like in a barren, frozen wasteland. So I'm presuming that this is John and Danny and the two dragons north of the wall. I don't know what they're doing there. Um, maybe it's. Hey, maybe they're looking for the children of the forest, if there's any left. Or maybe there's some McGuffin that Samwell found at the Citadel that's told them they have to go retrieve or something like that. What do you think? It's possible. I mean, really, everything right now is about dragon glass and uh, any other weapon that can help. And then the final shot of the walkers arriving on horseback or what used to be horseback or something like that. Uh, my question to you, Danny, is why does Tyrion only have like two seconds in this trailer? Where is he in your death pool? Uh, he will probably die. Uh, what role does he play at, at this point? No, I think he. They, they proved at one point last year that his 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 kind of point is just generally not really taking his advice anymore. So what? what I mean, what? the only the only role that I see for him is to again be uh, counsel to Danny after she finds out that oh, I've been thinking of my nephew. Um, That's information that would have been, you know, useful to me yesterday. <laughs> I mean, the, the, I mean, the big thing is that everyone always thought that he was a Targaryen and that three dragons needed three. This guy never did. There's no third dragon anymore, so they don't need a third rider. Although I do like the foreshadowing that John is going to get on uh, a dragon. Right. It's just them two. What I said looks like north of the wall, and it's, no, just, it's just 
it's just the two dragons. So yeah, he's he's gonna ride. Danny, one. Danny's, Danny's not gonna let Drogon go to anybody else. Danny keeps the best one for herself. All right, all right. Because she's because she, she loves the Aquaman, right? Call Drogo. Uh, no great joys in this trailer. No Melisandre. No Bronn. No Night King. No Melisandre's in there. Oh no, not Melisandre. Sorry, I got her confused. You're right. So you know, it's only so much they can show in a two minute trailer, guys. And I think they showed a lot for a two minute trailer, like you said. Half of, I would say half of the half of the trailer is Winterfell in awe of the dragons, though. Yeah. <laughs> As it should. I mean, you just look back to like season three, and these things look incredible compared to then. So. Uh, which I appreciate the the re- the reaction that every character has had to seeing these dragons, be it seeing them fly and being in awe of it, seeing or if you're Jamie, uh, being in sheer terror of seeing it like kill a thousand men in a breath. Uh, I, I think they have nailed dragons and how the world would react to dragons. Sansa's going to end up being the last one alive, ain't she? Oh my God, I just know it. No, she's not. <laughs> Lady Mormont for the win. That's uh, I don't I don't look at it like this, like the last person alive is going to be the person that sits on the throne. I don't think it's, that's just this dumb thinking. Uh, again, I don't think it matters at this point. I think that's the whole purpose of the story. Fucking thrones don't matter, man. It's about we gotta we gotta fight this bad thing that's coming that don't give a shit about no throne. So I think someone said it best. Anybody expecting a happy ending? What show have you been watching? <laughs> you have never opened one of these or put your eyes on this television show if you are expecting a happy ending. I'm saying that because you got all the actors saying that like people are going to be upset with the ending. People are going to be upset. If it's too happy, it's going to be too Disney. If it's too sad, it's be, oh, it's just too dark. They, they can't win with this one. And no, I had another episode, how long until people are bitching about this season? And you said like fucking 10 minutes to the first episode, people will be bitching. They they can end it in the right way. There There is a, I don't know what that way is because this is, that's a, you know, if I were good at this, I'd be writing the show. But there is a right way you can end it that it won't make people happy. It won't make people mad, but it'll feel earned and it'll feel satisfied. And that means some characters will die. Some characters will survive. It might not be who you like at the end of the day on the throne, but that's, it's kind of life. Cause Stannis is still going to be alive and he's going to come take his rightful spot on the throne. We never saw body. I, I will say this. Every character that's died, the potential is there to come back as a white Walker. You know, I thought about that when it was focused on the crypts. It's like, oh shit, they're gonna like raise like Ned and, and John's gonna have to fight Ned. They good? Ned and shit like that. I mean, what would be more terrifying in the Battle of Winterfell than seeing White Walker versions of the characters you fear the most? What if Sansa got cornered by uh, Bolton and Joffrey, White Walker versions? How fucking terrifying would that be? That's, that's that scares me a little bit. Geez. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like where you're at right now. Uh, when it gets closer, and I, I just want to say that uh, I did read something about how fan theories have made Dan and Dave like think about things differently. And I'm like, man, don't do that. There's a fan theory for everything out there. There's going to be someone who says that they were right, that they knew about this, and they're going to point to something. Don't Westworld this bullshit. Don't Westworld this. Yeah, don't overthink it, guys. Go with your story. Follow George's notes. I know you got them. Just, 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 just go with that. Don't worry about the internet, man. I kind of like. I'm not gonna lie. I kind of like this idea of White Walker, Joffrey, and Bolton just chasing Sansa, and Sansa turning around and like killing both of them with Dragonglass. That'd be kind of badass. Well, I like how you went like Stephen King there, and then you went like 
MCU there. So oh, I just want Joffrey to die again because fuck Joffrey. Fuck Joffrey. Every chance I get to see Joffrey die and bite the bullet, let's do it. All right, guys. We're like six weeks away now. About six weeks away. And I just realized that the season finale, series finale is on my son's seventh birthday. So go play with your new toys, buddy. I got stuff to do. <laughs> well done. Uh, Star Trek Discovery got renewed for a third season. I wasn't really concerned about it. It is like their flagship show on their streaming app. And season two has been just terrific so far. Uh, and also the Picard, the, the Picard series has begun casting. I'm really interested in seeing where they're going to go with that because I have no idea what that's going to be about. I know, Danny, you aren't a trekker. Uh, you're kind of you're kind of new to the fandom or whatever, and I, you haven't really touched the TV stuff yet. But uh, it's Patrick Stewart, man, you gotta be happy for doing. I just love how when this when Star Trek Discovery was like an idea and then like coming up like you were like eh, lukewarm on it, and then like it took off and like you have been sold. The first like five or six episodes is like it's good, but it could end, and I wouldn't be upset about it. And then it just had like a plot twist in season one that just took it to eleven, and it has not slowed down since. So, yeah, I, I said it was the best first season of a Star Trek series ever, and I mean the biggest Trekkie can try to deny that, but they know it's true too. Here's the thing: you got to learn. You know how how grumpy and how much Star Wars fan complain? Turn that shit to a thousand. That's Star Trek fans. They hate everything that isn't the original series. They hated next. They tried to boycott when the next gen came out, and now it's a lot of people's favorite Star Trek ever. So, yeah. don't 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 listen to fandom on that one. They're just awful. Me, more Star Trek the better. Bring it on. Bring it all on. You know, especially when you're going to have Pat you Patrick Stewart. I'm there. I'm there. I think so, it's awesome. Yeah. I know that you probably did not watch Nine Hundred Two One Zero. Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two. Probably you were like three or four. Yeah, I would say I was pretty <laughs> young. But that, dude, I got to explain this to you. That thing was a cultural phenomenon. Every all ages like that, from preteens to my our parents' age, everyone watched that show. It was huge, and Luke Perry was like huge, huge sex symbol in the nineties. I mean, this dude was like. Everybody thought he was like the next James Dean. So this was like a big deal. But I do know that you watch Riverdale. So let me put it on this level here. Uh, Luke Perry had a stroke and died at 52 years old, which is just completely shocking. And as, as someone who kind of just like grew up, I was just barely under the age that they were on the show as it was going. So I, I feel like this is a big part of my teenage years died here. I, this is just completely shocking. And you know, we have so many of these rest in peace segments or whatever, but man, this one just, this, this one hurts. Uh, I haven't heard anybody. You're hearing all these stories come out now and, and none of them have said anything bad. They've all been just like, he was just a special dude or whatever. I don't know how he was on Riverdale, how big of a role he had or whatever, but apparently he made an impact there too. Cause they've completely halted production of that show, you know, in light of his death or whatever. So how big of a character was he on that show? How, how big well, of a role was So he, he's a main character. Uh, He's uh, Archie's dad, so play okay. role. Um, they, I mean, obviously the focus is on Archie and his friends, but the parents of all of his friends play a role into it too. Uh, for the longest time, it looked like he would die in season one. He didn't, but it was a big driving point. And I mean, part of production halting is a yeah, this affects everybody on the show, but b 
now you have to figure out how do you handle his character? Like, what do you do with that? Um, I'm sure that means that you invo- you will probably reach out to uh, Archie's mom, uh, played by Molly Ringwald, and, and like try to find a way to write, write that character off. But, uh, I mean... If there is a silver lining, a lot of there's a lot of attention being put on, you know, he died of a stroke. What is a stroke? Stroke, pre- stroke prevention. Uh, I mean, strokes pretty hit or miss. You, I mean, it's, it's a 50 50 chance, at least by my understanding of it. Like, you can come back from a stroke, but you might have like muscle degeneration, you might have paralysis of, of certain muscles, or you could, and like Luke Perry, you could pass away from it. Uh, so, I mean, silver lining, at least more people are, are paying attention to a serious health cause, but it says a lot that a lot, the word that I keep seeing and the word that's not really common when people pass away is he was generous. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that says a lot about who you are and what you do with your time here when you're generous. Um, I've seen a lot of Gen Xers because they, he was their icon, as you said, and I have seen a lot of Gen Xers like reexamine like their own mortality because like, cool, now this is someone that I looked up to that is gone and like, Oh, like, you know, I'm to the point where like, Oh, this is probably going to start to become a thing where my hero, my icon, my teenage crush, like we're kind of snowball. So that's kind of interesting to see because I'm not there yet being a decade and a half behind most of these people, but it's, it's definitely something that, you know, it's the impact and there's still, tweets that I see about it and, you know, in this 24 second news cycle like that, that says a lot about him, his impact. Uh, and, you know, it will be interesting to see how Riverdale handles, you know, his passing. I mean, you know, we, we glossed over it in Captain Marvel, but that we first, that's Stanley's first posthumous cameo. It'll be interesting to see how Marvel handles that, especially moving forward over the next few movies too. And it'll be the same way for, for Riverdale because he's got a few in the can and now you got to figure out a way to write him off without just crapping on the character. Mm. No, man, this Dylan was way too cool for school. I mean, everybody, all the, all the guys wanted to be him, all the women wanted to be with him kind of guy. And I mean, my brother who was exactly his age actually did his hair exactly like Dylan on that show. So, I mean, I can't, I can't discuss, I can't really just get across the impact that that show had. It was totally different than anything you see now. I mean, people were dressing like these characters. People were doing their hair like these characters. They were doing everything like these characters. So, I mean, it was, it was really the, the the teen drama that was the first one that was like, okay, for all ages. It was like, like I said, preteen to adults really, really just latched onto that show. And, you know, even though it, it got sucky towards the end, but all shows do that go that long. I mean, man, it just sucks. And I still have my box set and I still love this show. I love it. I should say that, you know, Riverdale isn't his final work. Uh, he is... There's a movie that has finished, is in post-production, that will come out in July. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino movie. He is, oh, is he in that? He is in that movie, so that'll be his final uh, role. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, a lot of the chatter around that because uh, a Tarantino movie is a big deal. And he, he is uh, he's a cast, one of many in the cast, but I'm sure that there will be a focus on Lou Perry there. All right, uh, some happier news for for, for Danny. He he floated me the uh, the the fight poster earlier. You remember those old boxing posters that would have like the the, the Photoshop of the two boxers like fighting each other, and they hadn't actually actually fought each other yet. <laughs> he sent me one today of Gorilla Garad and King Shark. 
fighting on the Flash. Uh, I haven't watched the Flash in a couple of seasons, but I, I I knew that they were never going to be able to do like full seasons of Gorilla Grodd being because it's just it's just too much money for a show like that. Uh, they did the one King Shark episode. Thought it was really cool. They had the one appearance. As far as I know, it was one appearance of Gorilla Grodd. But he's had a few. But apparently, they're going to fight. And tell me why you're excited about this, besides obvious reasons. Well, I mean, King Shark did have an episode. Uh, Gorilla Grodd has been. In, he usually gets an episode or two a season. Uh, I'm surprised at how much Grodd they give us. Uh, but it's always every time you see Grodd, he, he looks better. And better and better. I think he's been four or five different episodes. Um, he's also been in some Legends of Tomorrow episodes as well. So they they make sure that Grodd gets around. Uh, Does he talk I, yet? Does he have him speak yet? They usually will have him mental mentally project. Okay. He can't. They're not going to have a talking gorilla. That's far. That's, <laughs> that's too. That's too absurd. Uh, the trick that they usually use is that they will have a character speak for him uh, under mind control. That way that they can frame the character behind him, which just means like, cool, you can have like some fur behind their shoulder, but you you don't have to have as much CGI. That's why they'll never do a full season of them. Uh, but that episode aired tonight. And it's stupid because it's like, oh my God, why am I so excited about Gorilla Grodd versus King Shark? And then you watch the episode and you're like, holy shit, I can't wait till Gorilla Grodd and King Shark just fucking fight. That's all I want to see. That's all this episode's built around. Uh, the CGI is fantastic. It's, again, not even for a CW show as a CGI. It's, they put a lot of time and investment into this. Um, it, it, was, it lived up to the hype that I gave it as far as like uh, Grodd versus King Shark. It looked great. Solid episode, but really the episode's secondary because you just wanted to see a, a giant gorilla fight a giant shark. And it's brutal, it's bloody, it's exactly what you think it would be. Uh, it's hard for me, especially as I do the Arrow rewatch. This all started with Stephen Amell just like doing flips in a green hood with like this eye grease mask. Not even, they couldn't even do a real mask. They just gave him like some black smear paint. And here we are, a whole episode where a fucking telepathic gorilla is fighting a talking shark. <laughs> and it worked, and it was great. And, uh, you know, again, the CW, ver- the, the Berlanti verse is probably nearer the end uh, of its time, you know, than the beginning. But at the same time, like, enjoy it while you can, because where else are you going to see King Shark and Gorilla God go head to freaking head? Uh, what you just described reminds me of when I went and saw Freddy versus Jason and the whole movie. I'm just like, dude, I don't care about the humans. Just give me the fight. And you know what? The fight paid off. Uh, so uh, I'll probably just check out the YouTube clip of this, this fight. I mean, <laughs> I'll I definitely mean, check that out. It's it's just it's so wild to think that this show started as a grounded, gritty arrow show. And we are in the most wild, wacky, colorful way uh, with all the shows. And it's just and it works and like fans went around along for the ride. And uh, I know on our next topic, it, it maybe there is a way for the Berlanti verse to live on. Well, that's perfect setup here. Um, as you know, I'm a big fan of the Hellblazer comic, which is John Constantine. And when they put out the, uh, the John Constantine TV series on NBC, right. basically it, uh, it couldn't be John Constantine because his most defining feature where he's got a cigarette 
basically just like attached to his hand permanently. There's nothing he can do about it. You can't show you can't show people smoking on network television anymore. So right away, that just kind of bombed the series for a lot of people because it's just that's a defining feature. Uh, but also, Hellblazer is a very mature comic, and for them to try to do that on network television, you know, not even like one of the streaming services or or FX or something like that, you you could tell why it failed. Uh, but the one thing that Constantine fans really loved was Matt, Matt Ryan's portrayal of him. Uh, I That was perfect to me. I was like, I don't want to see anyone else play Constantine. That is John Constantine to me. So we already knew that the, the, the DC streaming service, do they actually have a name? Uh, yeah, not that I know of. The DC streaming service, uh, we already knew they were doing a Swamp Thing series. And Swamp Thing and Constantine always have crossovers. Uh, lots and lots of comics together. Uh, but now they're saying that there is a rumored interest by them to uh, make a new Constantine series with Matt Ryan as John Constantine. So I still not buying a streaming service, but when this is released on video or something, I would definitely check it out if that happens, because like I said, I loved him. And even if they just put him on the Swamp Thing show, I'm, I'm, I'm there for it. And James Wan apparently is like producing that Swamp Thing show. So I'm already interested. You throw in Constantine. I'm definitely there. I think he's been on Legends of Tomorrow for a little while. So, uh, would you be happy to see more Matt Ryan's Constantine? I was wrong. Apparently, it's called DC Universe. Uh, uh. Sure, why not? Uh, Matt Ryan. He he's been in an episode of Arrow, and that's largely because the, the. I mean, they had tried to get crossover between Constantine and Arrow. Uh, and Constantine was on ABC, couldn't work. Uh, so the second that they could bring him over. They did. Uh, then he spun into Legends of Tomorrow, and he's a perfect fit for Legends of Tomorrow. There is a nice little running gag that every time he tries to like smoke a cigarette, like a character's like says like, "Oh, that's bad for you. Don't do that." Um, so at least they try. They acknowledge like it's just part of the FTCs. Can't smoke on TV. I think one time on the show they had him like close his lighter. Like, yeah. ooh. <laughs> uh, so it is kind of funny that uh, Legends kind of pokes fun at it, and they're like, no, that's bad for you. You should try to quit. Uh, I like his portrayal. I think he's great. He obviously loves playing the role. Uh, if they want to spin Constantine over, like, you know, they're, it's a startup service. They are still trying to gain credibility. I know Titans was better than the fuck Batman trailer. I've uh, heard Doom Patrol is really good. That's I heard Doom good. Patrol was fantastic. That yeah. stuns me. Um, you know, Swamp Thing gives it a little bit of a horror flavor. Uh, I know that they have the Stargirl show that they're looking at. Young Justice. Young Justice's split season. They've just finished the first half. Uh, so adding more shows is great. Adding a show like Constantine, which with the Matt Ryan tie would lead me to believe like it's a continuation of that character. You know, maybe one day the CW shows will all come off the air. Uh, Arrow's probably ending sooner rather than later. Flash and Supergirl won't be far behind. Legends of Tomorrow is always on, like, borrow time. But if you have a Constantine show over that continues that universe, I've always thought that eventually you could pare down all of these shows and do the live-action Justice League Unlimited, where you kind of have a rotating cast of characters go on missions. That would be perfect for the, the DC Universe streaming you wouldn't be beholden to any TV shooting schedule. You can produce them at your own time and leisure. And you can continue on with a lot of these fan favorite characters and actors. And you would have ready-made fan base, again, wanting more DC Universe content. So I kind of hope that this is a start to that end. 
And he can smoke. So perfect. I, I would prefer, I would understand if they can't do that because they <laughs> the same actor playing a, a returning character. I just want him to just completely start over with Hellblazer number one. You know, I mean, that's a really, really underrated comic. It's terrific. They, uh, never, they never did do their Justice League Dark movie. So if they have a Swamp Thing, if you do Constantine, you could go the Defenders route and like make a few more DC uh, mystic or magic or whatever. And then build up to a Justice League Dark. That would be pretty cool. I'll take I'll take a Swamp Thing series, a Constantine series, and a Zatanna series. Hell yes, hell yes. Do all that and then have them together come together for Justice League Dark series. How would you feel about it? Yeah, hell yes, for sure. Yes, I would love this idea. That's a great freaking idea. Uh, It probably end up turning out better than Defenders did because you have (laughs) you know you have you have more than one strong character in it. So (laughs) Uh, two and a half. Let's uh, close on video game stuff. I know you, you where you're going to fall on this because you already said anytime anyone mentions that a game is like Fallout that you lose interest. Uh, Obsidian is the company that made Fallout New Vegas. They are the ones that Bethesda bought the Fallout franchise from. So basically, this is the makers of Fallout uh, making a game called The Outer Worlds. It is, I saw the trailer for it at the Video Game Awards and I was like, that looks pretty interesting. Uh, I, I say, is this the Fallout game we've been waiting for? Because one, it's the it's the actual creators. But you watch the trailer, and it basically it looks like Fallout if it was taking place in outer space, which obviously is going to get my attention. I don't know if I'm just. I feel like Bethesda has just completely shit the bed ever since Fallout Four, and including Fallout Four, and with the Fallout seventy six mistake that they made, I feel like they've kind of took their eye off the prize, and I. Don't know. I feel like it's. I'm at that turning point right now. Ubisoft seems to be like the only consistent game company for me right now. So uh, I didn't like New Vegas Fallout, or uh, I'm sorry, Fallout New Vegas as much as everyone else. I did like it. I can see why they preferred it to Fallout Three. I did not. I thought Fallout Three was one of the most immersive experiences I've ever had, uh, regardless of how it's aged. So uh, if this is the same makers i'm definitely going to give this game a shot it looks pretty neat check out the trailer guys if you haven't uh it's coming out this year they haven't given an actual date yet but uh it'd be good for me for when uh, i'm done playing all these far far cry games because i'm going back and playing all the far cry games now and uh that's that's that can take up a little bit of time when you get into open world gaming danny knows because you got to do everything you can't just like if it's on your journal you got to get that off your ledger you can't have any red in your ledger no, and that's why you don't play these games anymore, right? Besides, like after Skyrim, Skyrim was like it. You can't do it anymore, right? Just like Black Widow can't have any red in my ledger. But uh, this this intrigues me. Um, it's a, because it's an RPG, and they, I guess, it was announced earlier today that there will be no crafting, uh, which is fantastic. So yeah, there's no building tinfoil houses. If it's if it's space. Fallout with no crafting and like cool like I as long as I don't have to collect tin cans I'm there. <laughs> you know what was great when I first played Fallout is if you wanted to be someone who just went to like empty stores and and, and and took a bunch of tin cans and sold them and basically lived like an animal and just eat like rats and stuff. You know you could do that. You could do that if that's what you really wanted to do. But I, I understand where you're coming from with the, with these open world games because it took me a while to realize. You know what? If you don't do that little fetch quest, 
it's okay. The game's gonna go on. Oh, you don't, you don't have to do it. You have to do it. You have to. You have to do all the quests. You gotta. You gotta give every potential experience point so you can max out your character and then just be a walking tank and just destroy left and right. It's fantastic. see, but I can do that without collecting all of the Riddler trophies. You know, uh, Fallout Three was the game that broke me on this because it had 120 relics that you could find. And you know what? It know what happened if you got 120 relics? You got an achievement big fucking deal it didn't change the game at all so that's when i learned you know what you don't have to do these and you can still enjoy the game you know, that, is one, that is one thing i've never gotten is the achievement points chasing because what do the points actually do nothing they that you take a screenshot and brag about how you're the best <laughs> but at the same time that's i mean uh, and uh, fallout oblivion is the best example i literally would not touch i did not touch the main quest wait wait wait, wait, wait. fallout oblivion that's two different games which one are you talking about oh um sky uh elder scrolls oblivion sorry you got me building yeah yeah elder scrolls oblivion i and i did it was unintentional i just started doing all the side quests got roped into one that i was way under level for but i beat it and then by the time i was done with all the side quests i just walked around and i was just like cool you're dead you're dead <laughs> And it was the best. It's the best. It's the only way I love to play games. See, that's that. That's still my problem. Like I said, I'm, I'm playing some of these old Far Cry games. I'm playing Far Cry 3 again right now. And I'm like, I'm doing all of this side stuff before I've actually done like the first few main story quests that tell you how to play the game. So there's mm -hmm. abilities, like basic abilities, like throwing a grenade that I don't even <laughs> do yet because I haven't done the in-game tutorial for it. So yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I did all of the all of the, when you talk about oblivion, oh my god, I did all of the the blades, all of the 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 guilds and stuff. And then by the time it got to like the main story, I was just like burned out. I I would just say is as long as this game has no crafting, it's got my attention. I don't need to craft, I don't want to craft, I don't care about it, I don't it, that's what ruined Fallout 4. That's why Fallout 4 is collecting dust. That's why I don't play it. That's why I never that's why I never cared to finish it. It's like when Fallout 4 came out, I played the hell out of it and I liked it. And then like one day I just realized this game's kind of boring. Just like out of nowhere. I realized this game's kind of boring. Why am I spending like 10 hours building a settlement that's going to change absolutely nothing in this game? And it was just like that glass shattering, how I met your mother glass shattering moment where I was like, holy crap, what am I doing? And I've never played it since. For me, it was, I was trying to do a mission. They need help. They need help, I Danny. Your colony, colony, whatever is being attacked. You go back and save it. By the time I went back, everyone was dead. So I'm like, why did it alert me? Why did it tell me to go save it? I'm so, and I got so frustrated because while I'm frustrated, like wondering like who attacked it, what the hell happened? Another colony got an alert. And at that point I'm like, you know what? I am done. I don't need this. I don't want it. We're good. All right, well, hey, the fact that like this actually got your attention is cool because after what you said, the opening about if a game gets compared to Fallout, you're out. Uh, that, that, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So that means you might have actually watched a trailer I sent you. I watched the trailers. All right, that's awesome. I think we'll find out more at E3. I think we'll have a big gameplay presentation for this at E3. And basically, I feel like this is the game that I'm more excited for than the Cyberpunk game, which just for some reason just did not grab my attention like it did everyone else so uh that's really cool um next week we're going to talk uh i guess non-spoiler <laughs> about captain marvel because i don't believe i will be seeing it unless something crazy happens um anything else happening over the course of the next week big is that that pretty much it it's pretty much it i can't i mean game of thrones isn't for another few weeks and 
Does Game of Thrones and Captain uh, Shazam start? No, it's April fifth for Shazam, April fourteenth for Game of Thrones. So we got a nice little breather between those two. And then uh, two weeks after that, the end of the Avengers. Yes, and in that, I'm sure we will have, like always, a panel bigger than just me and Danny to we talk need about. To have a, there's, a, there's Avengers a, need to assemble. Is that what you're saying? Avengers need to assemble. A preview episode. At the very least, we need Fro to. Uh, tell, we gotta have Fro. Yeah. To tell us all of his batshit theories about what's beyond uh, Phase Three. Hey, I, I want to have Fro on so I can talk to him about these, uh, these net, not Netflix, the Disney Plus MCU shows because they're going to tie in. Like he always used to swear to us that Agents of Shield did. Hey, Agents of Shield last season, season seven, but yet isn't yeah. season six just starting? Season six starts uh, airing in the summer because they had to wait for the end game stuff, and then ah. Uh, uh, Season seven, it makes sense to end it. Yeah, probably should have ended after five. But okay, it, ended and just put Coulson back in the MCU. That's that's my desire. Yeah, because I love Clark uh, Gregg. I, I love Clark Gregg. I, I I'm so glad that he's like going back to doing the movies and like he's having the time of his life with it. I some uh, I was reading an article today and it reminded me that he was Ghostwriter at one point. I'm like, you know what? Why not just make him Ghostwriter? Let's go. You know, what I love about Clark Gregg is he's kind of similar. You're going to think this is a really weird comparison. He's kind of similar to what Sir Michelle Geller was on Buffy, in that you can give him or her the most ridiculous line to say, and they found a way to nail it every time. So that's, that, I mean, just because I stopped watching Age of the Shield doesn't mean I didn't like it. It just, it was just too much. I was just had too much stuff going on. So uh, that'll be a nice binge one day. Like I said, I'll watch that in Legends tomorrow one day, and Dan will be like, I know. So when I'm, when I'm, when I'm excited to talk about tomorrow. it, love legends tomorrow. All right. So what you, what you going to work on now? Just, just going to keep watching arrow and flash. I don't know. I mean, I keep waiting for something good to, to get up, to get at me on Netflix, but I don't know. I mean, I don't want to watch Russian doll. Cause I just don't, I have happy death day. I don't need Russian doll. Okay. Um, so we'll see. Um, maybe I'll watch the last season of game of Thrones. I think I'm only, three, three and a half episodes into Umbrella Academy. I, I enjoy it. I just, you know, I fell down that Far Cry New Dawn rabbit hole and any free does, time I had went to gaming. It does pick up as the season goes on. Um, no, I like it. I just, it's just, I have to choose. Do you want to do it with your free time without kids? Do you yeah. want to watch TV or play games? And like I said, I got a new game. So, you know how open world games are. Oh, I'm just going to check what's over this last hill and then I'm going to go to bed. And then you're like, oh shit, it's been three hours since I said that. So, what happened, man? I got All right, well, guys, well, thanks for listening, and uh, have a good spring break if we don't talk to you before then, and we will talk to you next week. Okay, geeks, thanks for listening to the show. Now, if you didn't get enough geek material to help you through the week, you can always hop on the TARDIS here and check out the archives on the homepage, Facebook, YouTube, or iTunes. Also, take a moment, subscribe on iTunes, and leave a star rating if you get a second, as it helps others to find the show. To find us, just simply open iTunes and search for Geek Media Corp. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter. The home account is at GMC Podcast. Mike is at Zep1978. And Danny is at DC underscore 612. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk at you next week.